the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Second Coming of Christ will receive our attention here today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Join us. Our series is called Guess Who's Coming? Are You Ready or Not? It's a look at some passages here in 2 Thessalonians, the second coming of Christ. If you'll join us, we're in chapter 1 today, verses 1 through 12. We would invite you to tag along with us as we take a look at this issue of the second coming of Christ. When will it take place? What will it look like? Well, these are just a couple of questions that we'll seek to answer over the course of our next few broadcasts together. Won't you join us with this edition of Truth For Today? Here's Pastor Phil Howard. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first to the Jew, then for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism In chapter 2, he gives us seven standards of divine judgment. But men and women are storing up wrath. God has held off 2,000 years. You think of Christ. He will come back as the just judge. According to John 5, God the Father has committed all judgment to his Son. The white throne judgment, it will be Jesus Christ. The judgment seat of Christ, it will be Jesus Christ. The judgment of the nations, it will be Jesus Christ. Why? Because God the Son has been judged in a rigged court. He has gone to three Gentile courts, three Jewish courts, false witnesses, drummed up charges, no lawyer, tried in the middle of the night, broke every Sanhedrin Jewish precedent of law going. Because he knows what it is to be judged in a rigged court by men. He will come back. And Jesus Christ, who we beat up, spit on, and sent back with five wounds to heaven, he will be the judge of every human being eventually. And he has been before the bar of human justice. And it was a lie, a fabrication And we found a way to kill God and still keep the Sabbath. They had to get him on the tree before a Sabbath. You don't want to break the Sabbath when you're killing God. So he says, I will be the judge in the future. And notice what he will do to the wicked. He says, I will pay back trouble to those who trouble you. In verse 8, he will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Now, some believe that do not know God is exclusively the Gentiles, that they have no idea 
And that those who do not believe the gospel were the Jews who heard it. I don't think we have to do that. God categorizes the whole human race in two categories. They don't know God. Now, now that, that's, uh, you can start, all of a sudden start feeling uh, bad about those who've never heard. But you must know once again from Romans 1, the not knowing of God is a chosen volitional choice of the human race. They chose to suppress what could be known for God and invented substitutes for God, such as creeping creatures, reptiles, idols of wood and stone. He said in Hosea, you gave up your glory, Israel. You gave up the Shekinah. What did you give up? When you went to pagan idols, Israel, you gave up your God. And when you gave up your God, you gave up the glory of Israel, little tiny Israel, a speck among the nations. But the Shekinah dwelt among that people. The Ark of the Covenant was among them. Covenants were theirs. Abraham was theirs. Isaac was theirs. And they said, we want the calf of Samaria. We want to go and follow the ways of Jeroboam and leave the God of our fathers. And he said, oh, Israel, Ephraim, you're like a half-baked cake. You, you're like a, a dove that you want to run here, run. You gave up your greatest asset. You gave up your God. And the Gentile world joined. We'd rather worship a snake. We'd rather worship sex. We'd rather worship money. We'd rather worship a human being. And in chapter 2, there's another coming that we will worship as the earth. We will follow a satanic fabrication. And the whole earth will give their allegiance. But our God, we sold him out. And he said, I will come to judge those who've chosen not to know me. And the evidence they don't know me is... They have not obeyed the gospel. And the word obedience is nice here. It's akuo hupo. Hupo akuo. And akuo just meant acoustics, to hear something. But when they put the little uh, preposition with it, it meant to hear and not respond. So it became the word for disobey. And said, you, you heard the gospel, but you gave no heed to it. I don't need that stuff. That's for Salvation Army people on the street. I'm too sophisticated. I'm a Cal Berkeley uh, postgraduate student. You don't know God, and you have never bought the good news. You see, there's bad news and good news from God. The bad news is to die without the gospel, without knowing God. There will come death and judgment. And I find this in my own life, what Paul said. We smell like death to some people. We smell like life to another. To some, we preach Christ is coming. And you say, yippee, because it smells good. You're, you're prepared for it. To others, I say, oh, man, what's this judgment? What's this hell stuff doing in church? Because our message is both good and bad. It's terrible news. If you do not know this Christ, do not want him, and you will go to hell, not because you weren't chosen, but because you chose not to go. Because I did not want to believe and receive the message. And what does he do with such people? He says, they will be punished. And it's a word strong in the Greek. They will be righteously judged, 
with everlasting destruction. How can destruction last forever if you're annihilated? He used two words, destruction, forever. How can you be destroyed forever? So we have people, and it's very popular in evangelical circles. It's a rising thing. Men like John Stott, other men have bought into it. They call the uh, temporal mortality of the soul that we cease after only the, un- the unsaved cease to exist after they've paid enough for their crime. And let's say they suffer 100 years, and then they cease to exist because there cannot be an eternal hell. Look with me, just one verse, Matthew 25, verse 46. Christ judging the nations, and he's pronouncing sentence. It says in verse 46, chapter 25, Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. How long do you think eternal life is? Does it ever cease? But it's the same word for eternal punishment. The punishment lasts as long as the life. Now, here's the interesting thing. I thought they're destroyed. Very, I was hoping you'd ask that. You weren't going to ask that, were you? I'd pay someone right back here to just say, question. The way they're destroyed is the word destroyed is used several ways. Did you ever hear the parable of the lost sheep? You ever hear about the lost coin? The word lost is this word for destruction. Lost. Not, not cease to exist. Jesus talked about wineskins that were ruined. If you ruin a wineskin, what would you do? Just puncture it. Put a hole in it. But it doesn't mean it ceases to exist. And so Christ talks about a judgment that is forever. Now some wonder why that could be. Why is it fair that you commit a mortal sin down here and pay eternal punishment? The, about the best answer I could come up with is that of Jonathan Edwards, who said, crimes against an eternal being bring an eternal consequence. You're not sinning against Arnold. You're not sinning against your mother. This is high crime against the Lord, potentate, despot, redeemer, creator of all things. And you won't hear him. You won't believe him. You've never rejected or you've never accepted his love gift. He says it's the most serious offense in all of history to reject a member of the Godhead who steps under the penal wrath of God for your sins. To not respond to him in faith is an eternal kind of sin. Jesus even warned of the blasphemy of the Spirit when he was here. You have committed an eternal kind of sin. So it seems as though he's saying when he comes, he will put punishment on those that do not know God or the gospel. They will be punished forever. And this is so moving that they will be shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power. Hell will be to be shut off away from God. And you know what will be scary about hell? is everybody in hell will think they are a god. That is our first sin in Genesis 3. I want to be a god. So in hell, you will have billions of individual gods, but the removal of the presence of the true and living God. And where God is, there's peace. Where God is, there's joy. 
Where God is, there's deliverance. Where God is, there's rest. Where God is, there's light. Where God is, there's health. Where God is, there's unity. Remove God, and the race is wicked. Because when gods live together, they cannot live together. That's why everybody must be isolated, or else all men would kill each other in hell. Because without God, we are a threat to ourselves. And he says, I will remove the presence. And you must know that the word presence in Hebrew meant to see the face of God. They used the word uh, of face to face. And what it meant, when we say the presence of God, this is a, it was an only, it was relational, but it also had a Hebrew idea of Barak. It meant he was present to bless. Present to bless. Baraka. When God is present, we say, God, be present in this meeting. What are we saying, God, be present? When we gather all these individual temples of the Holy Spirit all gather to form this one body, 1 Corinthians 3.17, we constitute a holy temple right now as a congregation. We want a sense of God as all these individual temples come together. Give us the sense of your presence. What is that? Some little uh, charismatic uh, goosebump feeling? No. It's that sense perception that God is present to bless. God is present to reassure. God is present to fill us up with himself, not with a program, not with a choir, and not with criticism, but with the presence of himself in an un, kind of a, a limited uh, display among all the members. I sense and I want his presence when I come together with individual temples. Or do you want that? You may not even know it. You just hope you get a short sermon. Keep praying. You know what you really need is a sense of God. I read Martin Lloyd-Jones. I love what he said. He said he, when he takes vacations when he was living in England, he would take vacations and he'd go to village churches. And he was the doctor, Lloyd-Jones, and a physician to the queen and followed G. Campbell Morgan at Westminster. I mean, this is one of the paramount preachers of England. And he said he'd go to these little village chapels and he'd go back and some of them were terrible preachers and they, they, did, they weren't trained. They would slaughter this and slaughter that. But he said, I could forgive a man anything in his pulpit presentation if he only gives me a sense of God. I need God. I don't need four-point outlines. I don't need poems. And I don't need a bunch of yelling at me. I need God. I need God. And that's what you people need. So guess what? I need him. I'm just as fallible as the men that fall every day. It's only the sense of his keeping power that gives me hope. What about you? Him. Him. So when we come together, we're not just passing time. We're hoping he'll manifest Something about God. I don't know why people go to churches. I don't know why they go to synagogue. I don't know why they go to the temple and nothing's there but a program and a bunch of promotions. I want God. I need God. God saves. God heals. God gives me peace. Not a program. Not a building. I don't need a building. I don't need to be. I need him. And you know what? Worship was designed to be a corporate experience, not just an individual prayer meeting. And I love to pray by myself. But the, I worship the best when I'm with a corporate group. 
because the presence of God is double with other saints. That's why you're so important to the meeting. Not like this. No. Get out of here. Man, I got I'm like Ezekiel. God, don't let me see half the folks back to sleep on the last row. God, let, let, let me see the glory. I'm trying to have them put a big light bulb right in the middle. I think it's the Shekinah. You know, no. But see, I, I come by faith believing you showed up and made the effort because you want him too. You didn't show up just to put in time. You want him. So he says, I'm going to punish them eternally. I'm going to shut them off from my presence. But notice what he will do for his people. In verse 7, I will give relief to you who are troubled. Ah, what a day when Jesus comes. I don't care if it's the rapture or if he makes me go through the tribulation, he shows up. Either one, it's going to be relief to the people of God when he shows. Relief. Transformed in a moment. Freed from my persecutors, freed from my pressure, glorified body. And then I love what he says down here. On the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. Uh, you know what? He's going to show off his power. Uh, I want to just uh, notice the end of nine. To show off. The majesty of his power is going to be like this. It's going to be like the bridegroom is coming from the heavens and the bride coming with him. We're going to be standing off like this and he's going to be mirroring himself. He's being glorified among us. We are mirroring his glory, uh, whether he makes that glory his effulgence and splendor. But besides that, we're going to be in awe. We're going to be marveling. Wow. And you know what we'll be marveling at? The display of his power. Wow. Because in Revelation 19, when it comes down to Armageddon, guess how he ends it? He just says, watch this, guys. Speaks a word. And the battle's consumed. And like that, it's over. It's not him fighting all day to take care of the Antichrist. He just speaks a word. Watch this. Boom. He's good at this. He spoke everything into existence. By faith, we understand the world exists by the Word of God. Hebrews 11. Isn't that right? We didn't even need Charles Darwin. We just had the Word of God for it. He spoke it into existence. And when he comes, and we're going to be there, we're going to... Did you see that? Come on, get into it. I know it's hard for you. But, I mean, wonder. We're going to... This is going to be wonderment. It's awe. I don't use awesome. I try not to use it except for God. Nothing is as awesome as God. He is awe-filling. And we're going to be wondering at this, bringing us relief, and at the same time, slaying his enemies, bringing them into eternal destruction, removing them from the presence of God forever, all in the appearance of one individual. Then he says, I'm praying for you, that you'll be worthy of his calling. And that is a word that means you live fit and in keeping with your calling. And that you will live by faith according to the grace of God. I want to ask you this. Uh, are you ready or not for the judge to come? He is coming as a judge upon an unsaved world. And I looked up four characteristics of a judge. 
A judge has authority. He has wisdom and is able to discern the truth. He is a person of power and able to execute judgment. And he is identified with what's right, what the good is. And here he says to these believers, you're undergoing severe persecution. Know this, God will judge those persecuting you because he's just. They cannot get away with it. Hear me, hear me. He is coming as a judge to this earth for all who are breaking the laws of the court. And he has a warrant for your arrest. That's the bad news. And he shall have his day with you. The good news is, if you should so please, you could meet him before that day. And you could say, I am guilty. I've had your word and your spirit convince me I am a sinner. And I stand liable before the judge of all the earth. And I have no lawyer. I have no plea. Well, the old songwriter captured that very essence when he said, Nothing in my hand to thee I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. O Lamb of God, I come. Jesus wants to be your Savior. He's not become the judge yet. But when he comes, James says, the judge is at the door. He will come as a great judge to those on the earth. He will give us probably another seven years, even after he rescues us saints out of here. And he will pour out such wrath as is indescribable. And yet as you read Revelation, you hear terms like this, yet they repent it not of all their deeds. They repent it not. I say the heart cannot be that hard. Oh, yes, it can be. And we are storing up wrath because of our stubborn heart so that no man perishes who do not choose to stubbornly refuse God. Oh, what a plight they're in. The good news is there's an escape. The judge first came to die for the law we broke. And he offers a full pardon through him. It's only in Jesus Christ that you could be pardoned. But if that pardon is rejected, the one that's rejected in the offering of the pardon is the one God the Father has appointed as the judge. And there will be no excuses in front of the judge. No excuses. No fancy lawyers that can buy you off. So I ask you, guess who's coming? Jesus Christ is coming. He's coming for a church to relieve them and to rescue them. And oh, what a glorious day that is to us. It's part of our hope. But he's also coming to those who don't want God and those who refuse the gospel. And they're headed for everlasting destruction, shut off from the presence of God. So we are a paradoxical people. We have plenty of bad news. And we've got plenty of good news. And the bad news is true, and the good news is true. And if you don't get awakened by the bad news, you may never have a heart open to hear good news. So I would say, we must pray, we must share, we must love hell-destined people who just need a messenger to bring them God's message of lostness, but God's remedy for it. Jesus himself. I pray that you will not be silent, 
I don't know when he's coming, but I know he's coming. And you're listening to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. As we close out our broadcast today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the program encourages you in Christ and how this program is being used by you on a daily basis. Are we just a normal part of your radio listening? Do you tap into our resources available at our website? Have you visited our church? These are things we would love to hear from you. Take a moment, call or write to us today. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. You're also welcome to visit our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Take advantage of the resource materials I mentioned a moment ago. We have several. Again, truthfortodayradio.org. You'll also find information about Valley Bible Church right there as well, who we are, what we believe, worship times, services, and directions to the church. We'd love to have you join us, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Again, that's truthfortodayradio.org. If you're writing to us, our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. And then, as we conclude our time together today, we would also invite you to partner with us. This radio broadcast and the many resources that accompany it are available as you partner with us, as you link arms with us financially and prayerfully. No gift is too small, no gift is too large, and you can do a one-time gift or make monthly pledges. No matter, we'd love to have you be a partner with us as we continue to minister the gospel of Christ to the Bay Area and beyond. So contact us today. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. And you can also donate online at truthfortodayradio.org. That's truthfortodayradio.org. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.